Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. He's to the 45. He's oh, to the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in the midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host this evening, Kami Amrabian, and I am joined by Micah Allen. And before Micah talks, you know, she's from Cowboys Right for Free. This is possibly, possibly the last time we're going to podcast together. And in the spirit of Thanksgiving, you know, Jack brought me on to the Crimson and Cream Machine uh, website and platform for the podcast. And I've gotten to know some really, really cool people. Uh, of course, Ger- Gerald and all those Texas folks are fo- following us to the SEC. But uh, one of the good one of the good ones, especially in the Big 12, Mike Allen and Cowboys Ride for Free. Um, so I appreciate you. And uh, how are you doing? I'm, I'm great. I'm great. As you can See my mom's in the background prepping for Thanksgiving tomorrow. So my house smells amazing. So I'm doing well. <sighs> what is, what is what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? Because I'm not a big Thanksgiving food person. Ah, uh, so I come from the South. My dad's from Louisiana. My mom's from Texas. So we do Southern dressing, like cornbread dressing. Okay. And that's definitely my favorite. And also yams. I like candy yams. I didn't taste the yams for the first time until I was like 21, and they're, they're pretty okay. They're pretty yeah. okay. Yeah. But anyways, we got a football game, man. This Saturday, primetime, 6.30 p.m., ABC, Stilly and Stillwater, OSU. They are indeed four-point favorites, and we mentioned – yeah, you sent me a list of questions earlier. The narratives are strong in this game. You've got Oklahoma yeah. State getting a chance to slam the door on OU before they leave to the SEC, and Oklahoma State could get a Big Twelve title. They'll get a Big Twelve title berth, and maybe even a college football playoff berth. So there's a lot of narratives going on into this thing. And one of the things I think is really important to acknowledge is I don't think the Sooners appreciate this, but maybe Lincoln Riley does is that they're very thankful for the amount of shit talk coming out of OSU's camp, considering Tay Martin suggesting OSU should whoop OU's ass, Spencer Sanders essentially echoing that same sentiment today. So my question question is to you is this. Do you think Mike Gundy right now is loving that confidence, or is he kind of maybe, I don't know, feeling another type of way, just 
in the spirit of, you know, not giving them locker room material? I, I honestly feel like there was probably a moment after Tay stepped off the podium and got done with everything and the cameras were gone, Regundi was like, I can't believe you said that. Like, <laughs> shut up, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I mean, honestly, that's just for Tay Martin to, to say something like that. Like he's not from, he's not one of the Oklahoma kids. Cause I feel like any of our players from Oklahoma would have never even said anything remotely similar to that. Um, but you know, and, and, you know, with what Spencer, same thing. I think he kind of got a, a, a little talking to, um, from, from Gundy and, but at the same time, you know, I think that. Gundy has gotten quite a bit more lax as far as kind of letting the players say what they want. So I don't know, maybe he, maybe he did kind of like the confidence a little bit, um, you know, but at the same time, I think he definitely is that kind of coach that would be like, don't give them anything to Mm -hmm. fuel any fire. Don't give them any locker room material. Um, You know, just kind of keep your mouth shut and do what you got to do. So I feel like that definitely was his reaction. And so my follow-up to that is that the, the OSU fan base, in your opinion, do they feel the same way as the players or are they going a different way as far as their reactions to or hopes for or what they're anticipating for this Saturday's matchup? I mean, I don't know if you pay attention to Robert Wetzel on Twitter. He's one of our he's one of our guys and he refuses to ever say Oklahoma State is gonna win this game. Much less Wopo use ass. Like and and I have kind of over the years of, you know, because I've only really been paying attention to OSU since about 2014, um, which my first bedlam happened to be 2014 bedlam where Tyreek had mm. the punt return. Like, I was there. That was my first experience with bedlam. <laughs> and so I kind of got spoiled a little bit. I was like, yeah, you know, this is something that this is something that can actually happen. Three years later, and I was one in three in my, you know, a career to OU and you know all that haven't won since and so now I'm, I've gotten to that mindset where I'm like okay I'm not gonna ever say that Oklahoma State is gonna beat OU until it happens on a more consistent basis I'm always gonna be a bit skeptical about this game I don't care how good the team looks going in like it's still OU and I feel like Mike Gundy has this thing i don't know how to describe it it's just something that when he sees that ou on the side of the helmet that he just gets antsy and 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 all of a sudden doesn't want to open up his plate like i don't know what it is so i mean and i think a lot of the fan base feels the same way i think there are a lot of osu fans that have gotten to the point where they're just like oh we're just we just don't osu just doesn't beat ou right like i'm not gonna expect anything i'm not gonna you know talk any trash until something happens and that's just really interesting considering i mean last year i think i was on the 10 12 podcast and the very beginning of the podcast start started off with the oc folks just sighing they're like just just tell me just give it to me straight <laughs> and so i i think it's so interesting considering the difference in opinion and the difference in reactions this year uh, from the team, not just the team, but also maybe national narratives. I expect people, I think I expect several experts to pick to pick OSU uh, on Saturday. And so prior to the season, though, if I would have told you that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State 
would be battling for some serious prizes, especially after Trace Ford's injury early on in the season. And, you know, when OU's bringing back all these dudes, uh, Iowa State's bringing back all these dudes. Right. What would you have thought if I told you Oklahoma State has a chance to go and win the Big 12 and even make the big uh, the conference, uh, the college football playoff? I, I'm, I'm Paul Rudd. I'm like, look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> I, I would have, I would have laughed and been like, you're joking. There's, there's no way like this. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't, maybe prior to the season, I would have, cause there was some hype around the team prior to the season starting. Gundy had talked about how Spencer had improved more in these last two months than his entire two years here. Um, you know, and, and, you know, just, there was just some general hype around the team a little bit, but then you get into week one and, and you struggle against Missouri state. And I was like, Oh, it's going to be one of those years. Okay. We just, we just got to push through. And, and, you know, you get to a point where you kind of just are like, this is, this is what this team is, right. I've accepted it. And then all of a sudden they start, they start doing what they should have been doing. And, and you kind of, start to be like, okay, okay, there's, there's maybe something here. And then now, you know, look at us where, where, you know, this team is headed to a big 12 championship. And I, I'm thankful, you know, I, I, I think that this is not, it's one of those things where like, you don't expect it to happen, but when it does, you're elated. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, right. And so I think that's kind of where the fan base is at right now. Like, as well as me personally, you know, I think the fan base is just very grateful, um, you know, and, and it's one of those things where it's like maybe Gundy knew what he was talking about a little bit with what and, this team could be. And so you might have known this, maybe not. I'm sure you maybe probably did. Steven and I got the pleasure of talking to Doug Gottlieb earlier, way earlier this season. I think even before the season even started. And Doug was on some painkillers because he had a, some knee surgery. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and he uh, he he said some words. And we, we were talking about, you know, OU and o, uh, Texas exit from the Big 12 to the SEC. And he was clearly still pretty pissed off about the entire ordeal. And so I've got a few questions about that. In your opinion... Do you think Bedlam should still happen? Because like even my Gundy today said, you know, I don't, I don't think so, or or something along to the effect of that, or he doesn't think it will. Uh, do you think Bedlam should still happen despite OU moving conferences? I don't think it should happen every year anymore. Okay. Um, you know, I I I think that there's something that it loses with no longer being a conference game. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that it needs to be a thing every year, but, you know, there is something really fun about Bedlam and this rivalry is, has something to it that, that not a lot of rivalries have, um, you know, and, and, and I think that there's, uh, there's a importance to Bedlam for the state of Oklahoma that I think needs to be kept. So I don't know if that looks like, you know, maybe every, you know, two or three years or, you know, something like that, mm -hmm. or keeping it in the other sports, maybe, mm -hmm. um, you know, making like making OU um, Oklahoma State's opponent for the SEC Big 12. Um, I don't what the, the basketball thing. Yeah, whatever what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, keeping that, keeping baseball going because 
OSU dominates that rivalry in baseball. Um, you know, and I think that needs it needs to be preserved in a in a form, just not in a every year playing a football game format. I don't I don't think it's necessarily needed. And I, it, it's just interesting because between Texas and Texas A&M, there's, there's, there is so much more hate between the Aggies and the Longhorns than there right. is between the Cowboys and the Sooner fans. I mean, even right. though it, it's a yearly thing, you know, OSU, they talk about all the other amount of national titles they have, which they do. I mean, they have several. Uh, they're, they're typically much better in basketball. Then, then the Sooners, uh, they have a lot of other sports that they're good at. Of course, the state of Oklahoma, it's the state of Oklahoma. We live in the South football's King. So that's what gets paid the most. So that's what people pay attention to the most. I, I, I could get on board with an every two year or three year thing. Uh, definitely don't want it to turn into like this weird Nebraska where we take a nine year or however many year hiatus. Uh, cause that's just weird because again, it's like, it's, it's the time of year where you go to the gym and you see a guy with his OU hat on or his OSU hat on and you just kind of look at each other and you kind of just like nod and you understand what exactly what the hell is going on this weekend. And then right. the entire week after you look at that same person and kind of tip your cap to that person, which is right. just really, really interesting. conversation at work, like, you know. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think it's <sighs> something that's certainly – doesn't need to be done away with. Uh, right. Doug Gottlieb said, but he, Doug Gottlieb, and I'm going to cuss because I mean, like, this is, a, you can cuss too, by the way. This is okay. not us. This is an explicit podcast. <laughs> Doug said, fuck OU, no. And so I thought that was, in, <laughs> that, that was an interesting uh, uh, situation uh, what, what, that, what Doug, love, that brought, Doug brought up. What I love is that OU's PR has managed to not only make leaving for the SEC Texas's fault, but has made not wanting Bedlam OSU's fault. Like <laughs> you just you just got to play your cards right, and you got to sit in the back of the room quietly, and then ev- everybody else screw up, and then you're like, "Look, see what they said." <laughs> and so that Joe Castiglione has played this as cool as a cucumber. That way, Oklahoma does not look like the bad guy on any front. Of course, they'll catch some because like. Right now, OU going to the SEC, people are like, no, we get it. Like, you're 10 and 1. You you consistently, except this year, even though they're 10 and 1, they Oklahoma consistently competes pretty well. Uh, Texas, on the other hand, what the hell are you doing? So right. thank God for Texas taking care of that front. <laughs> and then on the OSU front, they, nobody's asked Lincoln Riley about should you continue Bedlam, but they've asked Mike Gundy and he's they he's offered his opinion. And so you can definitely tell, like <laughs> the media and who they're angling toward, but also just, just Joe Castiglione and Lincoln Riley and those dudes just shutting up and staying in the back and be like, no, we're focused on this week's game. We're not going to talk about that. Right. And so good on them for doing that. But yeah, that's, that's a really good, that's a really good thing. Um, <laughs> and so my follow-up question again is this new iteration of the big 12 likely starting next year, if we're being honest, uh, you've got BYU, Cincinnati, two teams that I was super advocating for like five years ago when this right. all this BS started. Like if you add BYU and Cincinnati, maybe none of this is happening because BYU is such a strong brand. They bring in so much money and they're like, oh, well, we, the, the religious thing. But now the religious thing doesn't matter anymore. So you got BYU, Cincy, UCF and Houston. Do you think this new iteration of the Big 12 stays intact, or do you think it 
it's up once the grant of rights is up for the Big 12. Because I think this new iteration could be really, really beneficial for schools like OSU that can compete at high levels, despite, you know, maybe right. Mike Gundy's lack of prowess on the recruiting trail. I still think they have a really, really awesome chance to compete yearly for Big 12 titles for the rest of the grant of rights for the Big 12. Right. I, I definitely agree with you. I think that this is this has a chance to be something that, that works out in OSU's favor, um, you know, and I certainly hope that if it does, you know, play in OSU's favor, that it sticks. Um, you know, at this point, I, I don't really know. There's no, you know, indication to go off of to say whether or not it would stick. I'd have to wait a couple of years into it to kind of, you know, really say what I think is going to happen. But, mm -hmm. you know, it sounds really cool. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to – possibly making a trip up to Utah. For I know, dude, that stadium is so cool. Yeah. Like I'm going to drink Utah out of, out of, out of alcohol, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> do the um, Mormons, do the Mormons have that, that much alcohol in, in that state? That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to hit up like Nevada before you go over there. Or something. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, and, and you know, Houston will be a, a, a good road game. Um, Houston would be cool for basketball. I'm looking forward to playing them in basketball. That's a good point. Kelvin Sampson um, once again. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, and you know, I think that it, it has a lot of a lot of interesting possibilities. Um, you know, as far as you know, football is con like just football is concerned. Um, you know. Now, you know, in the other sports, we'll have to see, you know, I, I don't necessarily know how the wrestling program is gonna, you know, I mean, not that OU, I don't know, OU is a pretty big part of the Big 12 wrestling landscape. And, you know, losing that kind of stinks, um, you know, so we'll have to see how that goes. Um, you know, but like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to the teams that they're adding. It was BYU, Houston, UCF, there's one other school for some Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I mean, look at the way, look at, look at what's happening with Cincinnati right now, right? Like right. they're, they're being talked about on a national level. Um, not necessarily the way that you want them to be, you know, they're talking about them because they're getting snubbed, but you know, um, that's an interesting, you know, that gets to be talked about, you know, if since he stays on the path that they're on and, you know, like I said, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see how it goes. And, um, you know, New road game destinations. That's always yeah. fun. Regardless, it'll be a strong basketball conference to, to say the least, if we're being right. quite honest with each other. Right. And so my last follow-up question, because I had three questions right in a row. Let's say the Big 12 does dissolve. Uh, where, where are you thinking? Where, where are you thinking like, what would be the best destination for the Cowboys to land, in particularly in football? Do you think ACC? Do you think Pac-12? What what are you guys thinking over there? I mean, the one that makes the most sense to me is the Pac-12. Um, you know, as a as a Central Coaster, I would hate that. <laughs> but right. you know, um, it, it does make the most sense, and I do think OSU would do really well. Um, you know, we do have um, coaches that have connections in California, so recruiting wise, that could you know work in our favor. Um, you know, and I, 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 like I said, it just makes the most sense to me. Right. And, and I, I, but at the same time, I'm not insanely picky. Like if they end up in a, in a power five conference, I'm happy. And as of right, like they're basically only chance to end up in a power five is back home. So, 
you know, I, I honestly think that's kind of what you have to go with. Right. Um, and I also would sort of, I would want OSU, OSU to become a really big thing. <laughs> that could be fun. The battle of the black and orange OSUs. Like I, I, I would, I would want that to, to be a, a, a huge deal if we went to the back 12. Um, but you know, and, and again, there's lots of really awesome road trip possibilities in the, in the, in the pack 12, you know, um, I think either, either power five conference that you, Oklahoma State could end up in if whether it's the ACC or the Pac-12. I think Oklahoma State could really do some damage in either one of those conferences. I right. mean, in the Pac-12, nobody really takes football too seriously, and then you you have suddenly Oklahoma State over here, which does take football seriously because it's in Oklahoma, right. and so they could compete yearly. I mean, like you just saw what a and above average Utah team did with just simply playing good defense to an Oregon team that was way overhyped. And then you go to over East, the ACC, you have Clemson and Clemson starting to show chinks in their armor because I mean, it's just, it it may be the quarterback. It may be just, they're not having a generational QB. They're having their own issues this year and they're growing pains, but I think Oklahoma state could do their well. The, uh, do well there as well. So yeah. I'm really, really, really curious to see what that would look like on a national stage because I think they could compete in both conferences. And so yeah. this is a game this Saturday where there's a lot of shoulder shrugs on what's likely to happen. It's it's evident in Vegas betting lines. Um, you know, it has the Cowboys favored by four, right? And it started off at three or three and a half. What do you think the abated breath regarding this game can be attributed to? Is it just because it's bedlam and anything can happen? Is it just because nobody really knows what to think of OU's offense? It's it, is it because nobody really knows what to think about OU's defense in in regards to Spencer Sanders? Right. What what is all the pause about? Because it's not just from the OU side. I've seen a lot of pause from the OSU side, and part of it is because OSU fans, even when they're favored you've seen them lose, especially right. in Stillwater. And so I can see that part of it. But w- what else is there to that? I, I honestly think it's kind of an all of the above thing, right? Like, I think that people don't really know what to do with the rivalry game. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Caleb Williams is going into Stillwater at night for the first time. And this is probably the biggest stage that he's played on so far, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you, like you said, people just really don't know what to think about uh, OU's defense or uh, offense. And, you know, I, I think that that definitely plays a, a role in that as well. Um, you know, these teams are just very evenly met. Like you have an, and, and this is that you have a, a, an OSU defense that is probably about to play the best offense that they've played so far. Mm-hmm. And you've got an OU offense that is probably playing the best defense that they've played so far. Yep. And that's just hard to, you know, that's just hard to predict. It's hard to to say what's going to happen in that kind of a situation because it's n- no no similar games have happened yet for either team, right? Um, you know, and. and I, I, I'm, I'm curious as I, I'm, I'm, I'm as curious as to see how this thing turns out as anybody else. Um, so again, I think it's the fact that it's a rivalry game and people just really don't know what to do with rivalry games. It's Caleb Williams playing in his fur in probably the biggest game that of his career so far. Um, and 
you know, just the teams being incredibly well matched. Um, I, I think from a, from a perspective of a really good defense versus a, a, a quite, quite talented offense, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I think that's kind of the pause is just, there's just so many different, like, like we talked about earlier, there's just so many, there's just so many different storylines that you're yeah. following. And, and to your point, pick six previews on Twitter tweeted, the, tweeted this out earlier and they simply just said strength on strength. So it says Oklahoma's offense is number one in scoring offense, yards per play, QB rating, and second in the Big 12 in yards of carry. And then Oklahoma State on defense in the conference, they are number one in the Big 12 in scoring defense, yards per play, QB rating, and yards per carry. And so you're seeing the strengths of both teams mashing up against each other. You've seen an OU defense that's been much maligned, and then all of a sudden, sometimes they just randomly just show up and play really well. You've seen Spencer Sanders play incredibly well. They dropped over 60 on TCU. I mean, they, uh, a lot of people dropped a lot of points on TCU, but you've seen OSU's offense play really, really efficiently as well. And so it's like, who's going to show up? Who, who, right. which sides of the non-strengths of these teams, which side is going to show up and right. how are they going to do it? And so we all know about, OSU's defense being one of the best, one uh, the best in the conference, but one of the best nationally. Tell me about some of the integral pieces of that OSU defense that make it run, because we're we all love the flashy who scores touchdowns and all that stuff. But in the media, we don't talk enough about who the best defenders are, and so who are the pieces that make that defense run for Oklahoma State? Well, you know, in, in, in my opinion, you can't talk about the Oklahoma State defense without talking about Malcolm Rodriguez. Um, you know, he is the engine that makes this defense go, in my opinion. Um, has just had a phenomenal, phenomenal year. Um, and he's coming off some award snubs. Um, and so I think that he's going to be just hungry to be like you motherfuckers. I'm going to prove you all wrong. Like I, yeah, he's yeah. going to be um, looking to prove himself. Um, and, you know, and again, I think that, you know, he deserved uh, lots of talk for watch lists and just hasn't really gotten that. He deserved um, to be a finalist for the butt kiss. And he yeah, got snug. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. we can all acknowledge yeah. that in the big 12, the Malcolm Rodriguez totally just got screwed over. Uh, just a finalist list just give the guy just give the at least give him that i mean right. holy right. god you cannot even put him on yeah that's ridiculous and you know from what i know malcolm kind of plays it cool on social media but like if you talk to the people that know him like he's pissed yeah i would um, be too yeah and and so you know i think that He's kind of the engine that makes this defense go. And then you've got some, you know, really talented guys in the back. You've got a Colby Harvell Peel who was set to go to the NFL and then said, nope, just kidding. I'm going to come back for, for a year, um, which Oklahoma State fans are very happy about. Um, you know, and I, I, I think that he is going to have a field day with Caleb Williams. Um, you know, I think that they're going to be able, you know, between Malcolm Rodriguez and Colby Harvell Peel and some of the um, – other linemen like Colin Oliver. Um, I think they're going to be able to get some pressure on Caleb Williams and mm -hmm. make him make some mistakes. Hopefully make him make some mistakes. And Colby Harville feels going to get, you know, an interception, maybe two. Um, he's definitely capable of that. He's had, I want to say two or three interceptions on the year so far. Um, and then you've got, 
Jason Taylor, who's kind of, um, he's, he, for a while, it seemed like every other game or maybe even every game, he was taking it in for a, a pick six or a scoop and score. Um, so he was, he was very good at getting the ball and scoring, um, you know, getting the turnover and making something happen out of that turnover. Um, so, you know, if Oklahoma State is going to win this game, I feel like they're going to need Jason Taylor to show up again and, and, and do what, what he does. Um, so, you know, those are kind of some, some big names um, on this defense that have kind of made it go. Um, another just really big factor in the pieces of this defense is age. This is a, a really, really old defense. I say old, um, but... I think they prefer the word veteran. Yeah, veteran, <laughs> veteran defense, and you know, um, I I think that that has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, Jim Jim Knowles has he's in year three. three? I think three, um, three or four, one of the two. Yeah, so you know, he's got every guy on that defense is somebody that he brought in, right? And at this point, and so you know, it, it's it's. It's guys that have bought into Jim Knowles' system. It's guys that have bought into what he does. And I think that they are um, – It's we're, we're seeing the payoff of Jim Knowles, you know, find, uh, you know right. come to fruition, um, which I think has a, a lot to do with it as well. And I think it's interesting because one of the big things that you want out of a freshman quarterback, because you mentioned how this is – uh Caleb Williams biggest game to date I mean of course the first biggest game is replacing Spencer's uh Rattler in the in the Red River shootout and you know in the in 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 that big you know state fair whatever but that's a totally different atmosphere where you have half the stadium literally is in crimson where now you are going to Stillwater and you're going to have a bunch of dudes with paddles and they're very close to the field I was and, and it's going to, yeah. And it, and it's going to be, a, it's going to be a raucous environment. Right. And literally it's still water at night. Still for reason. Water at yes. It's not a fun place for an opposing team. It like, gets, it gets weird, man. It get it certainly gets weird. And one of the big things is that you want to get your quarterback, especially if he's a young guy into a rhythm. And one of the best things that Oklahoma state does is which this is what Iowa state did. This is what Baylor did. Oklahoma state's going to do the exact same thing. And they are the best defense in the big 12 and likely one of the best defenses in the country is they're going to take away those easy throws underneath. And let's like a swing pass. And they're going to take away those deep throws and make them throw intermediate throws with tight windows. And it's going to be a challenge. And so this OSU team is not necessarily privy to offense as they have been in years past. Uh, they flipped the switch, like you just mentioned with Jim Knowles. When they hired him, I was like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna turn over OSU's defense." And yeah, I was like, "Who is this yeah. Duke? Like we and hired this guy from Duke. like what?" <laughs> he to any any and he my yeah, foot is in my mouth to make him eat my, my own words. words. Yep. Just and we know Spencer Sanders. We we know him. Right. He's been there for a while. We made fun of him calling him Mister Tumness, and that, that's all. <laughs> that's all fun, but. Who are the other Cowboy offensive players that Sooners should be aware of? Because we know about Spencer Sanders, but there's been so many guys that have come through and are now in the NFL or now somewhere else that we don't know much about. So tell me something about other guys other than Spencer Sanders on the OSU offense that Oklahoma Sooner fans should be worried about or just just be aware of. Well, so you've got running back Jalen Warren. Um, He sort of had a... 
coming out party in the, the Boise State game, rushed for over 200 yards um, and has just been awesome ever since. Um, I honestly don't think that OSU is in the position that they are if Jalen doesn't turn it on, um, you know, and so he's, he's a name to watch out for. Um, he did get dinged a little bit in the Texas Tech game, so I don't know mm. how much that they'll use him. Um, but, you know, they do kind of have a, a running back room built up a little bit. Um, you've got Dominic Richardson, who is also fairly talented. I've liked what I've seen from him. Um, and, and so that's another name. Um, and then in the wide receiver room, um, it's Tay Martin, um, the, the person that we talked about earlier that was <laughs> talking crap. Um, you know, and but he's he's been fairly fairly good this season. Um, dropped a couple passes in the Texas Tech game that you know made me kind of question. I'm like, dude, what are you what are you doing? Like you 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 have to catch that. You're you're a redshirt junior, I believe. Yeah yeah, you got to catch that. Um, but transfer out of Washington State, so he is he's got some experience. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, at the same time, you are replacing. T- uh, Tylen Wallace, and how do you do that? Right. Like, how do you replace a Tylen Wallace? You don't. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, OSU's wide receiver room looks a lot different um, this year than it has mm-hmm. in the past. And honestly, like, I, I make the joke that Jalen Warren single handedly turned us into Army for a couple of weeks, <laughs> <laughs> where we were just running the ball down people's throat. Um, and it worked out. Um, I don't know how that gonna play out on Saturday like I don't know if we're gonna be able to do that with OU um I honestly feel like OU has a good enough defense that Spencer's gonna have to rely on his arm a little bit and Um, OU's been super jackal and hide on defense one game like for example Baylor runs the ball down OU's throats and then the very next game they hold Brees Hall to like roughly 50 yards and just one touchdown because they got gifted the ball at the one yard line. Otherwise, they basically shut down that entire team for the majority of that entire game except like one drive. So right. this 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 defense is very Jekyll and Hyde. They're getting right. guys back like Woody Washington, Key Lawrence, the Tennessee transfer staying on the field more often. Jalen Redmond is finally getting back into the groove. And so it's just really it's just really interesting to see which OU defense shows up. So that's what really is like, that's why we're yeah. also like shrugging. So well, and it's on, on our side, it's which Spencer shows up. Right. Like, of course. Literally good Spencer, bad Spencer. We would have, we would have been asking the same question as Spencer Rattler would have been, still would have, would have, still would have been starting. Be Spencer versus Spencer, so bad. <laughs> but all right, we're going to go to a new segment. And I'm going to say we're going to just we're just going to dish out opinions on each other's teams and just follow my lead. OK, OK, I'm going to give you my opinion of Spencer Sanders and this Cowboys football team. Oh, God, I think Spencer Sanders looks like Mr. Tumnus and plays like Mr. Tumnus a lot more than he doesn't as an actual D1 quarterback. I think he makes some really, really immaculate throws and uses his feet really, really well just as well as he does make really, really poor decisions and just really, really, just just really bad decisions in general. Um, I think this team, Oklahoma State, has a great defense. It's going to give OU fits on offense, especially with a rookie quarterback, a guy that hasn't played D1, a guy that hasn't played organized football in Caleb Williams since his junior year in high school. 
Um, but I think this Cowboys team overall, their offense is not elite enough to where they can win uh, by more than, let's say, two scores. I think Oklahoma's defense is privy enough to keep them in this game. Um, but I think that that Oklahoma's Oklahoma State's offense isn't as hot as it is going to be. I mean, they haven't been really that great all year. They've had the, a, a game or two, an exception. Um, but I think that their defense is quite outstanding. Uh, what's your take on OU and Caleb Williams? I, 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 I have yet to see the hype around Caleb Williams. I, I don't necessarily doubt that he's going to turn into something. Um, but we know that Lincoln Riley hasn't ever had to develop his own quarterback, like at this up to this point. And and we saw when he tried with Spencer Rattler, and that didn't particularly work out very well. As you can see, he's sitting on the bench, um, you know. And so I'm I'm curious to see what Lincoln can actually do with the quarterback that's his. Um, how are you gonna How are you gonna How are you gonna say that with Tanner Mordecai at? SMU and Chandler Morris over at TCU, despite the fact that now he's back on the bench. Like <laughs> I, I can see the Kyler Murray thing. Like you don't, nobody needs to co- coach Kyler Murray. He just shows up and balls out. Like his dad's a coach. Nobody needs to coach Kyler Murray. He's just one of the best. That's he's probably the best quarterback that's ever played at OU. Just hands down. Baker Mayfield spends one season on, at tech and then he spends the rest of his career at OU, and we're saying Lincoln Riley can't develop his own quarterbacks. Like, give at least give me a break on that one. I could see the Kyler thing. Kyler's just like, give him the ball, get that, get get the hell out of the way. He's like a Jordan guy. Just give him the ball, get the hell out of, the hell out of his way. But Baker Mayfield, come on now. Especially with Tanner Moore. Like, I could say the same thing. Why can't SMU and TCU develop their own damn quarterbacks? They have to rely on rank Lincoln Riley over there or Tanner Mordecai. Because, like, you know who's coaching SMU's offense right now, right? It's Lincoln Riley's brother. He's the <laughs> offensive coordinator at SMU coaching up Tanner Mordecai over there. So Listen, it's like, I said why the can't same, they do that? I said the first thing that came to my head didn't work. <laughs> Anyways continue on i just i just wanted to pump the brakes on that i've I've been hearing that too much (laughs) no but but yeah i i i think this this i i said it on our podcast last week i i'm not or yesterday not last week um i i've thought this ou team was fraudulent all season like i have not thought that they were as good as people thought they were um and and if we're being 100 honest, I think they're a little overrated. I'm gonna end up eating my words, but you know that's just what I've seen. Um, you know, I think it's and, a fair thing to say. Right, and and you know, I, I I think that if this OU team is gonna prove who they truly are, it's gonna be how they play against this OSU defense. And you know, and I could say the same thing about OSU's defense. If this OSU's defense is gonna prove that they're not fraudulent, then they're gonna have to they're going to have to play like they have been and, you know, do what they need to do against this, uh, against this OU team. And, you know, I, I, I think that OU does have, I'm, I'm going to say something nice because I'm a nice person and I can't help it. OU has talented skill players. Like OU has some of the better skill players that, you know, have been tested with this OSU defense. Right. And, and we, we sort of had this last year where we were like, this is the best defense OSU's had in a really long time. 
you know, blah, 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 blah. Like we're going to, we're going to at least hold our own against OSU or OU, which I mean, we did sort of, I don't remember what the exact score for last year was, but if I remember right, it was a fairly close game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Mims ended up making us eat our lunch. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily doubt that something like that could happen again. Um, you know, and, but at the same time, I don't, I have not seen anything from this OU team that makes me think, wow, that's the team that's going to, you know, blow us out in Bedlam. Like You're not the only the one. Best. You're not the uh, only yeah, one. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm not saying anything that not, not all of us are thinking. This game will not be a blowout on either side. Like I, 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 I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Which makes me want to vomit, <laughs> mm-hmm. because I hate closed bedlams. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the same time, that's what makes college football fun. You know, the the sitting on the couch at the very edge of your seat, you know, wondering what's going to happen. That's why we play the game. And you know, I this OU team again, like I said, has not proven anything to me. Has not proven that they are not a team that OSU, that OSU should beat. Like, I mean, honestly, I don't particularly have a problem with the way that what with what Tay Martin said. I have a problem with the way that he said it. But I think OSU should very like should very well beat this OU team. I, I haven't seen anything that makes me think that, oh, it's the same as every other year. They're going to they're going to beat us. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm going to I'm going to say OSU should win this game. And if they don't, I'm going to be mad. Right. Like. And so that's that's my biggest thing is oh you just hasn't proven anything to me like you almost lost to Tulane my guy like <laughs> you almost lost to everybody not named you TCU almost or lost Tech to Kansas. yeah yeah like, it, it's been it's been a struggle you've been spending the past two or three years giving shit to Texas about losing to Kansas and then you almost lose to them like but guess what <laughs> Texas lost to Kansas again and OU did not. So that's all that, that's all that matters here. I that, mean, yeah. That's a nice parting gift for the for the other eight members of Texas losing to Kansas. And, and you know, it's just it's 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 beautiful that Kansas will, will Well, will... what's really funny, so my older brother is a Texas grad and his girlfriend went to Kansas for her masters. Mm. And she texted me after the KU OU uh, OU game. Y'all are going to beat OU. And I was like, don't say that. Nope. Nope. Don't, don't give me hopes up. I know this game. No, but you know, I, I, again, I, I don't know. I just, I have, I, 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 watching OU this season, I've literally had it in my head all season. And then watching us, like kind of watching the two teams throughout the year, I'm, I, in my head have been going, if we do not win Bedlam this year, Gundy is never going to like, mm. I, I think that this is just the perfect storm of opportunity of a not great OU team and, and an Oklahoma State team that has a really, I'm, I'm going to say, a great defense. Like, this defense, had, I, I'm a believer in, in OSU's defense, and I've, I've thought it all year that this was a bedlam win year. If we were going to, this is the year to do it. But again, I've said that too many times before, and it's not happened that you know right and there's the possibility that if oklahoma ends up winning there have to be another one the week right after in dallas and that's even more nauseating to think about so we we we, we won't go that far because it's nauseating on both sides if that happens i'm gonna 
happen to a podcast yeah. again. We'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait. We'll wait for Saturday. But Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Buying insurance can be complicated, and you might have a lot of questions, like, what if my policy doesn't cover that? Or, what if I need to make a claim in the middle of the night? Good news, State Farm is there for all your what-ifs. You can reach them 24-7, talk through any questions with your agent, and you can even file a claim on the State Farm mobile app. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com to get a quote today. All right, I've got some rapid-fire questions and a couple other questions, and we'll get you out of here. Okay, Micah? All right, sounds good. All right, so the paddle people, tell me about them. Why is that a thing? So I was a paddle person from the 2015 season to the 2018 season, Um, and it's an organ, it's a student, a spirit organization, basically, um, where... From my understanding, the way that it started was there were some students that snuck in fraternity paddles and started making a whole bunch of noise with them. And people started to realize, yeah, this does cause this is disruptive. Like it it, it does cause some some ruckus. And so eventually, you know, it, it grew and more and more people started doing it and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and to the point where it became like a known thing on campus and they started making their own paddles that just said pokes actually they might have they might have decorated the fraternity paddles to just say osu Mm -hmm. on them or something and so they started making their own paddles every year there's a big party right before football season where they make all the paddles um, actually there's a house in Stillwater that, cause it's a, it's a student organization. Yep. Um, not necessarily sponsored by the university, but it is an organization. So there is a president every year and the president of paddle people has lived in that house for the last 10 or so years. So everybody goes over, there's pizza, there's beer. They make all the paddles, they paint them all. Um, and they, they're just, they're there to make the opponent's life not fun. That's, you know, from the beginning of the game, you find somebody as, as somebody that's, like, been on that side of it, you, you're, you're sitting in – we get in the stands two hours before game, uh, an hour before they open up the gates. So we're there watching the opposing team warm up. And a lot of times I was never very good at this because, as you can tell from the previous segment, I'm not a good heckler. Um, but, you know, <laughs> people find the guy that's wearing sports goggles or something and they hone in on him and they – you know, they're talking shit. And it's it's – it's it's almost they're they're kind of like the roughnecks at OU, not necessarily mm-hmm. exactly the same, right? Because I don't necessarily know a whole lot about the roughnecks, but it seems like they're a little bit different. Um, because I, tell me if I'm wrong, but you have to be chosen to be a roughneck, right? Like you have to get like voted. Yeah, you you act. You, there's a process of actually becoming a roughneck, and yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot that goes into it. A lot of alcohol that goes into it as well. 
but yeah, I mean, you know, paddle people has just kind of been an Oklahoma state tradition for forever. It's, it's, we actually, so when the big 12 banned artificial noisemakers, they, the OSU president and athletic director went to the big 12 and said, listen, this has been a thing at OSU forever. It's like a part of OSU lore. Like we need to keep the paddle people and they fought for them and got to stay. Um, with the caveat that if there was ever a situation where, you know, somebody got hurt because of a paddle or Mike Gundy basically said that if there's ever a fan noise penalty or, you know, if right. we ever cost the team, right. we're done. Like that's, yeah, it makes sense. Um, and I don't know, it's just always been kind of a, kind of a thing. And, you know, you don't have to. It's not necessarily a process that you have to like apply for. Um, you know, you you sign up and you pay dues at the beginning of the semester that they use to buy stuff for making the paddles. And um, you have to you can't. So Friday night in front of the boom pickings, all the paddle people camp out to get wristbands to get into the game early because. One of the caveats of them not getting banned by the Big 12 was that they could not be affiliated with the university in any way, shape, or form, which means their seats can't be saved. Mm. So what happens is you camp out Friday night, you wake up at like 6.30 or 7 Saturday morning. They give you um, a wristband that gets you into the stadium two hours early because you camped out. It's kind of like a a reward for camping out. Mm -hmm. Um, They give you your wristband, you go home, you take a nap. Um, and you go back to the stadium two hours early, you sit in the stadium, um, and wait for the game. And, you know, it's, it's fun. People wear costumes. Um, most and- famously the Mesa, the, the Rudolph, the reindeer oh my costume. God. I actually, actually, I know that kid. I didn't actually what ha- what was funny is that I, somehow I ended up DMing him. We, we, we were DMing back and forth and like, we talked about a lot of different things. It was really, just really, really interesting how I got yeah, to know this yeah. dude. He's a cool and, kid. It was yeah, just he's a nice guy. He turned into a meme. <laughs> he was a nice guy, just very unfortunate about how it looked on national TV. It was pretty. It was pretty. It was pretty odd. I mean, but part of me, part of part of me, like feels like it was sort of on purpose. Like he he had to have known a little bit, right? But that's how it was gonna look. But anyway, yeah, that was really funny. Um, you know, and. You know, it's like I said, it's, they've always kind of it's it's they're just they're a staple of OSU football and they're they're hated by opponents. Um, you know, they have I, some I, other opponents. I've, I've noticed this. Have some other opponents put up big tents or big structures in the way so the paddle people can't paddle on the uh, padded side, the sides of the stadium walls. It was Baylor. Mm. That's who did that. Um, Baylor. And I. I think at some point Iowa State might have, but yeah, there, there definitely has been situations like that where, um, well, actually, I think that was a part of me. The way the stadium works is the paddle people are on most of paddle people, from what I remember, was on OSU's sideline, but I could mm. be wrong. Yes, no, always OSU. Um, and so I, I, that might've been just to make this conception, but that has happened before where tents have been put by opposing teams in places where paddle people are supposed to go. And you're like, what do you, what do you do? Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like over the years, paddle people's space has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk 
Mm-hmm. As the as the layout of the stadium has changed, as they've moved where the student section is, as they've, you know, uh, I feel like paddle people have gotten less and less space. Um, and part of that might be opposing complaints. Like part of that might be opposing players or opposing ADs being like, listen, you need to do something about this. And their way of doing something about it without kind of making it a problem is, okay, well, because this is the way that we have to move this certain section of the stadium, paddle people can't have this section anymore. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, you know, and we're taught to be very polite to, to you know, reporters and things like that. If, if a reporter's in the way, we're taught to very politely be like, please move. Um, you know, if a paddle gets dropped, you're supposed to very kindly and politely beg the person to give it back to you. And then the rest of your wall turns to you and goes, you let the whole team down because you're not <laughs> supposed to drop the paddle. That's like a big thing. Um, and, you know, it's it's they've had to adapt and, you know, things like that. Like originally um, how they did it was they had shifts where you camped because someone constantly had to be there, like from Thursday morning or from Friday, Friday morning to Saturday morning. Mm. So they had to constantly be there. So you took shifts. Well, now I see. they've decided that it's just going to be Friday night. If everybody camps Friday night, we'll give you all wristbands. So now everybody just camps Friday night, but um, it's grown into a, a really big organization i want to say there's like 300 or 400 people in it now um to where you have to take turns like you you don't get to paddle every game anymore um which i mean is kind of a bummer but at the same time it's awesome that it's grown that much it's awesome that that many people want to do it and have that much school spirit i've gotten i've gotten on espn a couple times from being in paddle people um and i i would have professors on Monday, I'd walk into class and be like, so or they'd be like, so I saw you at the football game on Saturday. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, you didn't. Yeah. I feel um, seen. Yeah. I was studying. What are you talking about? Um, but, but yeah, I, uh, I love power people. I think it's an awesome organization. Um, but yeah, the history of it is kind of just some fraternity dudes, probably some alcohol. They were like, yeah, let's, let's, sneak in these paddles and make a whole bunch of noise and that and and thus paddle people was born love it next question do osu fans actually claim the football national title they were they were retroactively reward awarded excuse me no and nobody wants that shit on the side of the stadium like no what in the such an odd situation then right yeah like if the fans don't want it why did you do it all right well that's that's good enough is my good I get from an athletic department standpoint. Yes, yeah. Like, I get what the athletic department was doing, but the fans are just like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> as, 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 I, I would think so. I would think so. So that, that's good to hear. Uh, is yeah. Mike Gundy an OSU lifer? <sighs> I know, right? Uh, I, yes, mm. but, I, I think what's going to end up I what I don't want to happen with Mike Gundy because of honestly, like as much as as much as you know there are some issues with Gundy, as much as there are some some things that Gundy has done that made the offseason at some points not what it should have been, you know, the the this past not this offseason, but the last one, which everything that happened with Chuba and, you know, that whole issue and all that stuff. Like, ultimately, there's a lot that Mike Gundy has done for this program. Mm-hmm. And 
I'll tell you what I don't want for Gundy. I don't want a Matt Brown situation for Mike Gundy. I don't want him to overstay his welcome. I don't want him to get to the point where it's a, you know, situation where, you know, he, he becomes, he sees himself. What is the quote? Something like, don't stay long enough to see yourself become the enemy or something like that. Like, I don't want that to happen for Gundy. In the it's in it's out of the idea that loyalty can kill a sports program, like kind of similar right. to like Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. Like he is actively killing that team by staying there for like twenty years. Loyalty right. can be too much of a killer, um, as you saw with Mac Brown, as you saw with Philip Fulmer at Tennessee. There's a but lot of the, people, but at the same time, I feel like it's in Gundy's heart. To yeah. want to retire from OSU. He's he an alum. He wants to retire coaching his alma mater, right? Where he was mm-hmm. the quarterback. And, you know, but, you know, there has been things that he's said lately, things that have happened lately that make me think that maybe he's sort of gotten to the point where he's done coaching, right? Like he's mm-hmm. sort of fallen a bit out of touch with the kids and he's sort of not necessarily all into having to recruit kids and mm-hmm. having to, you know, that aspect of coaching. He, he's he got, you know, uh, his youngest son that I feel like he, he wants to see grow That's up. Right. Um, you know, and so I, it wouldn't, I don't know, either way, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if Gundy sticks it out and retires at OSU, and it wouldn't shock me if after this past contract is up, he's gone. Interesting. Um, interesting. You know, once, once, because his youngest – his youngest, I believe, is a freshman at Stillwater High right now. So, yep. you know, he might stick around for his son to finish high school. And, you know, once he, once he, you know, graduates and decides what he's doing, you know, retire and be, you know, his live his live on his ranch, hunting turkeys and you know, doing what Gundy does. <laughs> yeah. Take the stoops route. Wait till your sons graduate, then go ahead and just get out, get out right. of Dodge. That right. makes sense. Right. All right. Last question uh, for the hot takes for the, for the rest of rapid fire. Who is your favorite sooner of all time? And it does not have to be football related. Okay. I'm going to look up. Let's look up some notable. Because I know you are traditionally from Texas. I am. Why did a picture of Shaq come up when I looked up notable OU alumni? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's an maybe he's an OU alumni. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did find it really funny when I found out Olivia Mudd was an OU alum. All right, Olivia Munn. That's a that's 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 a good one. But you know what? I'm gonna say Kamiara Moravian is my favorite OU alumni. Well, I I, I appreciate that <laughs> so much. I'm but as so far flattered. as like famous, but as far as like famous, like oh, famous, I'm, famous, I'm not alumni. famous, Olivia, famous. Olivia Munn. I wish to be famous, famous one day as <laughs> as Olivia Munn is. Um. All right, finish these sentences. OSU wins if. If they, if, if good Spencer Sanders shows up and OSU's defense scores some points. OU wins if? 
Bad Spencer shows up. <laughs> and um, there's... I could see OU's defense taking advantage of Spencer Sanders' turn- turnovers. That's what I mean by that. Um, mm-hmm. If Spencer Sanders turns the ball over and OU is able to capitalize on that, whether it be by the defense score by the defense scoring points or by you know, to me, you don't want the ball in a Lincoln Riley led offense. You don't want the ball in their hands more than you have to. Um, so if turnovers are a problem for Spencer on Saturday. OU or OSU is not going to win. All right. Prediction time. So when the clock hits double zeros, what is the score in your opinion? You know, my opinion. So on our podcast last night, just to keep with consistently, I believe I said 24 to 14. And I think I'm going to stick with that 24, 14 Cowboys. Um, It's, it's going to be a close one. Um, I agree. But actually, Actually, I think I said 1724. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's close. Um, 24 seems to be the, the, the mean as far as the amount of points that this offense is capable of scoring just on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I, I think that against this OU defense, they can, they can score the amount of points they need to win. Um, and I think it's going to be a matter of this, oh, uh, this, OSU defense just suffocating <laughs> the suitors. And, you know, I, I think it's going to come up with OSU on top or OSU on top 24 17. Yeah. And I, and I mentioned um, in our, in a QA that, you know, uh, OSU 27, OU 17, <laughs> I could see the exact flip opposite of OU 27, right. OSU 17. Right. It, it, it's one of those games where it's like the score could be like literally anything can happen. And yeah. Like, it's just so weird uh, with how the season has played out. OSU's offense has not looked impressive, but their defense has. OU's offense has looked really, really impressive at times and really way, way less than casual at times, especially you know if you're facing Dave Aranda. Uh, but in their defense has looked okay at times too. So like again, that's the reason why the line is so small. Uh, it, nobody really knows what to expect. So Micah. Thank you for joining me. Tell everybody where they can find all of your things, please. So on Twitter, you can find me at, at MicahAllen18. Um, I also, you know, most of the time, if you follow at CowboysRFF, that's me. Um, so you can find my work at Cowboys Ride for Free there. At, also at CowboysRideForFree.com. Um, also, if you're into video games, I do stream on Twitch, uh, Micah. Or M underscore Allen three thirteen on Twitch. Um, if you're into video games and want to see me play, um, right now I'm 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 knee deep in some Animal Crossing content. So if that's nice. your thing, come hang out. Um, but yeah, uh, the Q and A with our good friend Kamir should be up on the site tomorrow. If you want to read his thoughts on the game, um, I'll have that up tomorrow. While you're waiting on your Thanksgiving turkeys to get ready, um, you can check that out. Um, we'll have. Some previews up on, I'll have a preview up on Friday. So um, if you want to see some OSU sided content, um, CowboysRedFree.com. Well, thanks for joining. Hopefully, we'll have a really, really good game Saturday. And hopefully, we know maybe, maybe, maybe we'll just talk again next week. Who knows? Who knows? Who who, who Who knows knows? what's going to happen? So thanks for coming on the podcast, Mike. I really appreciate you. And I will talk to you later. Okay. Thank you for having me, as always. All right, so now that mic is done, we've got some questions. We've got some. We've got some tweets. We got. I've got some 
I've got some questions from Twitter. I've got some questions from Discord. I've got some questions. I got a text and not they they want it to be anonymous. Um, that was some really good content from Micah. Please go follow her. Um, she's a great follow. She's a great person, and uh, she's one of the better people um, that co- covers college football uh, from SB Nation as well, in general, and just in general. So one of the some of the questions that we'll get to. This is from at Sooner rf it says turkey or ham i'm a ham guy turkey just doesn't do for me and maybe it's just because maybe it's just because that my my family has not been cooking it the right way i don't know i'm a ham dude uh but then they and then he says die is die hard a christmas movie i will die on this hill i will die in this damn hill die hard is not a christmas movie the key the, the main actor in the movie, Bruce Willis himself, said it's not a Christmas movie. So you know what? I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with Bruce Willis, the guy killing terrorists on Christmas, saying it's not a Christmas movie. Um, then he says more seriously, can OU's offense beat the mighty Cowboys defense? <sighs> Man, it, it's it depends. You know, you, you saw Baylor. Uh, you saw you saw a lot of teams once Caleb Williams started to come in, have one safety up top. And then Dave Aranda says, no, he's going to keep two safeties back. And that Baylor front six, front seven, just they just punished OU's offensive line. And they really just kept Caleb guessing and t- throwing in a tight windows. You saw the same against Iowa State, except OU, because Iowa State plays with John Haycock. They play with three safeties over the top. They make you throw short throws, intermediate throws. They make you throw intermediate throws. In, but they left OU, uh, leaving them, honestly, out to run the ball. And so OU was able to run the ball. So, you know, that's the thing is, is OU going to be able to run the ball well with OSU's defense out there? I don't know. Andrew Rame, apparently, according to, I think Joshua Christian mentioned it, said that Andrew Rame might even play this week. I think Lincoln Riley said it. And DJ Graham is questionable. If Andrew Rame is somehow able to go, then awesome, cool. If it's Robert Congle, fine, whatever. It, it is what it is. Uh, but can OU's offense beat the Cowboys defense? I think they can. I think uh, if you line up with more split back sets, I want to see more Braden Willis than I than I do Stogner. Stogner's just it's not it, man. He's just having a bad year. He's he's just it, it looks like he's just totally not in sync with Caleb Williams, whereas Braden Willis, uh, Jeremiah Hall, those dudes are. So I think Oklahoma's offense can do some stuff. Um in the in the chat over here that we've got going on on the stream, uh, Josh Burr says, "Who's done more for their program, Gundy or Patterson?" Who, Patterson all the way. There's a they, that's there's there. I think there's no other answer. Gundy, to be fair, has done a lot for that program and keeping them at that level that, that at that level consistently. Until recently, but he's he did it for a long time. He took them to the Rose Bowl. They beat Wisconsin. Andy Dalton, those years, he's done a lot for that program. Gary Patterson, all the way. Um, he, Josh also mentions you better getting key, yeah, because Keegan apparently Keegan Renault, front of the pod, friend general says ham is trash on Thanksgiving. Well, Keegan's takes are trash on Texas football, so there's that. Uh, big ham. Says, what's up with SMU? You mentioned OU hires after the season. Yeah, I would be, I would, if I were you, I would just pay attention to the OU because 
OU doesn't have an offensive coordinator. They got an on- offensive coordinator slash head coach. They've got a position that they can hire somebody, a legitimate position. I would keep an eye on some staff. And as you would notice that a, f- a few very highly touted SMU recruits decommitted within minutes of each other today, I would keep an eye on that if I were you. A Sooner Striker asks, after viewing the season, I'm not so sure OU is ready to compete in the in the SEC. What do you think? It's a great question. I, I you know, I'm I'm not sure that this is one of the reasons why I'm very hopeful for Jalen Redmond and him staying at OU. I'm hopeful for Ethan Downs to put on some more weight. I'm hopeful for Gabriel Dindy to really come in and be that guy that everybody thinks he is. I'm hopeful that the linebacker play gets a lot better. I, I'm, 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 I'm excited for what next year's defense may look like under Alex Grinch with longer arms, longer bodies, bigger bodies, with, uh, with, with more strength and conditioning offensively. I think this is a weird gap year. You'll get Eric Gray back. Uh, I think you'll, you, you've obviously seen them recruiting the hell out of the running backs. I think you might even get one in the transfer portal for a more big, or a bit a bigger back. I think this this offense is maybe a year away. I think this is a gap year that we weren't intending to see uh, just because the sheer amount of people that came back. Like, for example, I, t- I sent this out earlier. This Bedlam game is a game in which Mikey Henderson would have been so useful. But, of course, you saw what happened at the end of the year uh, or at the very at the very beginning of the year prior to the season. Uh, he's not there. Uh, and a couple other players, too. And so this is a game where Mike Anderson really could have been useful. I think OU can compete in the SEC next year. I'm very glad that OU's gap year, I think, is this year. Because right now, I think I mentioned it before, Caleb is still throwing when people are readily and apparently open instead of anticipating the throw. I think if he makes that leap from this year to next year, OU's very dangerous. And OU, they've consistently under Riley been recruiting at a very high level offensively. Now they're doing that on the defensive side of the ball. That's something to be excited about. So I think they'll be readily readily available to compete in the SEC next year. The prayer report, Matt Peary, a good friend in general, uh, friend of the pod, says if OU wins, how confident would they feel about the conference championship game? I, I would say I'd, I'd feel very confident. I know OSU can key in on what OU did and get better at what they said, but OSU has not been to that level of competition. OSU has not been to that level of actually playing in big games. OU's been there how many years in a row? Six. Uh, OU has six consecutive Big 12 titles, and until you dethrone them, that's it. I mean, it's simple as that. And that's where that Spencer Sanders, you know, that's where that confidence comes from because their defense is playing lights out. I would expect those comments of OSU people being very confident coming from their defensive players instead of their offensive players. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Justin Bush, again, friend in general, friend of the pod says, what exactly does OU need to do to fix the O-line play? Is it a coaching change? Is it a scheme change? Is it a mentality change? I think it's a few things here. I think you're seeing Tyrese Robinson play uh, tackle for the first time in his life. I think you're seeing left tackle not sure what to do. They're still young. I think you're seeing Andrew Rame have it mentally there, but not physically there. And I think in the guards, the interior, they're pretty okay. I, th- I think you're seeing Mark uh, Marquise Hayes. 
um, a play relatively pretty well. I saw him launch a guy five yards just the other day. And I think uh, you're seeing, oh, why is his name is ex- escaping me? The transfer in from UCLA. Regardless, I think you're seeing the interior offensive line play rel- relatively well. I think Bill Beanbow's seat gets a little bit warmer next year if that continues, especially in the SEC. The change in offensive line play has already started. Last year, in the years prior, they've particularly been, been man. They they know what man they're supposed to block on these given plays. And they've gone, so they would angle and diagnose who their man is, who they're supposed to be blocking, especially on that vaunted uh, GT counter that you're not seeing. Josh Burr says, Chris Murray, thank you. Uh, on that vaunted GT counter, they know what man they're supposed to take care of. But this year has been has been working out, and they went toward more a zone blocking scheme. Basically, you snap the ball, who's in your way? Go find a guy, block his ass. That essentially, in layman's terms, what zone blocking scheme is. Of course, it's more complex than that. But whereas previously, and for se- several years, you've seen Oklahoma do really really well under Bill Beatenbow with a man blocking scheme. Now it's a zone blocking scheme. They found more success under that. And so that's why I've seen less runs off the edges and more runs between the tackles, if you're being quite frank. Um, and mentality change, I don't think – I think it's fine. I, th- I just think they need to get stronger. I think, I, think they, I think they need more coaching. I mean, like you've had a guy with a position change and you had a guy – you have a true freshman oh, – not a true freshman, a retro freshman playing center um, that has it in between the ears. Andrew Rame is smart. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit more. And then anonymous text says, did this team buy into its own hype while others got better? You saw from December on um, these players, and not just the players, but the coaches embracing national title expectations. And constantly now you've seen Alex Grinch suggest, you've got guys that don't want to practice. To me, that says, and I mentioned this earlier, You've, that, that means to me, when you say Alex Grinch has, when he says you've got guys that don't want to practice, it, he doesn't mean that, oh, guys just simply just don't want to practice. He means you guys got, you've got guys that show up to practice just to go through the motions. You've got guys that show up to practice to go through walkthroughs and not actually get better. That's what that means. So I think you've seen Oklahoma crown themselves in the offseason after last year, when everybody's patting them on the back, man, this is the best OU team I've seen in, the, in years. Complimentary football, offensive defense. Oklahoma, they've forced 20 turnovers in the Big 12. That's number one in the Big 12. That's why Oklahoma's 10-1 right now. That's why Oklahoma has only lost one game. Alex Grinch is right. Turnovers equal victories. Um, I do think they bought into the hype. And not just the players. I think it was the coaches. I think they bought into their own hype because everybody else gassed them up and they showed up to practice knowing that they were, they were the odds on favorite. And I think it bit them in the ass and suddenly other teams got better. And so, I mean, it's interesting to see how that goes. I'm curious to see what team shows up this Saturday. I'm very curious to see if Caleb Williams can take it to the next level and really key on his progressions and what Lincoln Riley does to help out, to help out Caleb Williams, because let me tell you, y'all, Lincoln Riley's play calling has been mystifying to at, to say the most out of the last couple of games, especially when you've got a rookie quarterback playing. You need to help him out. And whether that's 
throwing on first down and throwing to open up the run, whether that's just running and just getting what you can, throwing in some weird formations. I don't know what it is, but he needs to be helped out. And Lincoln Riley needs to help out his quarterback because if Lincoln Riley gets that in, and if they, even if it's a diamond formation with Eric Gray, Kennedy Brooks, and one of your H-backs, and you've got, I don't know, Marvin Mims and Jaden Hazelwood or Marvin Mims and Mario Williams on the other side. I don't know, but you need to dial up something else that can help out Caleb Williams to make his time more successful. And you need to utilize his legs more, in my opinion, because that'll make this offense far more dangerous because he has a pocket awareness. Now, you might not say that after he fumbled it in the end zone and Anton Harrison's carrying the ball out the end zone to make sure it's on a safety or a touchdown by the other team last week against Iowa State. But Caleb Williams, see what you want about him. He's got one hell of a pocket presence. Uh, he understands what his pocket awareness is. He's got poise and he's got big playability, uh, whether that's with his arm or with his legs. And it's only going to get better. I'm excited for a game this weekend. I'm excited for a Bedlam game. Don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, Oklahoma could lose uh, just as simply as they could win by single or double digits. I have no idea. Guys, go ahead and follow us on CrimsonandCreamMachine.com. There are a lot of stuff dropping daily. Follow us on Twitter at CC Machine. Uh, I'll be tweeting out this weekend's game. You can follow Jack, who's at a concert right now, at J. Larry Shields. You can follow Steven, who is busy at work right now at OE Update SB. You can follow me at Kmarabi and CCM. I'll put the Discord link in the, in the bio of this podcast description, whether you listen to it on Spotify or Apple, iTunes, or whatever else. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, check you guys later.